podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield wrap after Liverpool have beaten Manchester City by four goals to three. And it is the Anfield wrap for the first first time in association with Reds Bet. Uh, this is our first partner on this free show, the first one we've ever had. And we're very, very proud to partner with them, given their commitment to fan causes. Uh, we're going to be talking more about that later on with Mike Nevin, who's also here to talk, obviously, about the Reds and their fantastic performance against Manchester City. Uh, but it finishes Liverpool four, Manchester City three. And I've got Dan Morgan as well as Mike, Gareth Roberts and Melissa ready to go at that one and what we all thought about that one. It was a game, uh, Gareth, it lived up to its billing. And I think that's the, the first and foremost, I think we all felt it was going to be a big one. But it was one of those where you got the impression across the country there was the idea this was going to be a serious game of football. It was the four o'clock Sunday, but it was more than that. It seemed like it was going to be a real sort of irresistible force meets the immovable object game. And it absolutely delivered. Yeah, it had everything, didn't it? I mean, um, even you can go further, can't you? You know, the, the two managers as well, both sort of uh, big figures in world football, you know, very, very much allied to certain styles and that sort of stuff. So, you know, the big televised game. Also, the fact that, you know, Liverpool are the traditionally big club. City still carry around some of that history of when they were mad. Uh, you know, the Sean Gota days and the Paul Dickoff days and the getting through playoffs and going down and holding the ball in the corner and going down because they held the ball in the corner against us. You know, there's, there's all that sort of still about City, I think. And and what I wanted from Liverpool was to was for them to say no. You know what I mean? Say we're not, we're not having it. We're not having Manchester City. We're not having you. We're not having you coming to our place and, and, and continuing long unbeaten stretches. Even that as well. There was a little sort of side issue around that one. And that if the other beaters or if the other two did, their unbeaten run would have been as long as ours in eighty seven, eighty eight. So I'm made up that he didn't reach that landmark. You know what I mean? And and for Liverpool to to put one on them. It is superb for us, superb for our season. You know, it'll lift the confidence in the side. The manager was absolutely buzzing after the game as well. The ground was, the the atmosphere was brilliant. And you can just really, you know, you can really get involved now with the rest of the season. I think, it, it for me, it's brushed away, you know, all the Coutinho chat that we had last week. It was all a bit doom and gloom. It was all a bit, you know, here we are selling a good player again. All that was forgotten yesterday afternoon because it was a brilliant display. Liverpool was superb. They did what they had to do. And OK, a little bit nervy at the end, but... Ultimately, we beat, we beat the league leaders. No one else has managed it. Mel, it was it was a game where no one else has. It was a game that it did sort of feel like it was announced. We were announcing ourselves for the second half of the season. We were saying to everyone, right, this is what we're about. And we have had a few chats recently, and I think Steve Graves a couple of times back in back in early December was making noises that he didn't think he thought this Liverpool football team was a really good one, but that it maybe wasn't a serious one. And I think that, you know, this one, this this result combined with the results that we've had against Leicester, against Burnley and against Everton in the FA Cup, I think they make the point that this team, it's deadly, but it's also deadly serious. It's an announcement to the rest of the country and also maybe to the whole of Europe. We're not going anywhere in the second half of this season. We're, we're, we are the real deal. Absolutely. I mean, 18 games unbeaten in all competitions is is quite difficult to do. And to do that after... The result at Tottenham, I think, shows you people speak about mentality and character. And every time there's a draw or, you know, conceding of goals or whatever, that topic gets brought up. But to react after Tottenham the way that this club have done, I think it shows that they're serious. I mean, that performance yesterday, I'm pretty sure Andy Robertson's still running around Anfield at the moment. I'm still, you know 
exhausted just from watching that game. It was it was so absorbing and everything about it. Everyone related to Liverpool was completely up for that yesterday. Fullbacks, midfield, the crowd, as Robbo mentioned, it it was angry when it needed to be. It was triumphant when it called for it. It just had everything yesterday. And these are two really, really good football clubs doing what they do best. And Liverpool were able to do theirs better than a club that haven't been defeated in 30 league games. The last time Guardiola knew what it felt like to lose in the league was in April last year. This is, it's a big thing. It's a big result, but not just the result. The way Liverpool went about that first half was near perfect, but, you know, everything leading up to, to Sane's equaliser. And then that nine-minute spell in the second half, no team in world football is living with that nine-minute spell. I, th- I think that's a big sentence, Mike, but I think it's one that you can back up. And th- this side, it's it's capable of so much at times. And you, it, it was a demonstration, I think, to everybody. And you'd like to think it's one of those games that the world's got its eye on mm. and they get to see that Liverpool side. You'd like to think that there's people in, the, you know, the, the, the winners of the Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain game are going, we don't want Anfield. We don't want to have to go there. We don't want to have to deal with that. And that's... And that's huge, to be honest with you. And I think it is. It's the difference between having a tidy season where you're mooching along and, and doing what you need to do, but having a season that feels like it's come alive around you. And I think that was clear in the atmosphere as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would think the way Liverpool sort of went about the business yesterday sort of reinforces everything that we've seen this season when they've played well um, and the amount of goals that they score. Um, that's, you know, I suppose conceding two at the end as well is fairly typical of us when we've you know we've been playing um good sides but um yeah i mean it was i mean for me it was just a classic game of english football um you know you can compare that to anything i've seen over 40 years watching liverpool um robbo's sort of comment about city and their frailties that hark back to previous days uh, <laughs> amuses me because city fans i know call that cityitis and it's yeah. it's still embedded through they the still club. Still say sort of typical yeah, city, don't typical they? city, yeah. which is is mad considering you know that that uh, unbeaten record that Mel that Mel talks about. Um, fantastic game of football, um, and yeah, Andy Robertson, what a, what a man, what a player. Um, there was one incident in this. I think it was in the, I think it was in the second half where he was sort of near the corner flag at the cop end, yeah. and, he, and he stood over the player that he was he was up against, and it was just absolute menace. And it was just, you know, for me, he's, he's a future Liverpool captain. I really think so. <laughs> he was boss. Yeah. I mean, he's done that in a couple of games now as well. I, I, I like. I think it's quite old school the way he's almost <clears throat> identifying his opponents and saying, "Right, I'm, I'm yeah. going to put one on you. I'm going to make make totally. you know I'm here. I'm going to get right in your face, and I'm going to make it known from early on in I the think, match. You I think go well, up I, against someone here. My last point on him, really, um, we were talking about this just, just before we came on on air, is about his intelligence as a, as, a, as, a, as a footballer, but also as a, as a lad. Um, I've seen him speak a couple of times, and you you can't fail to be uh, impressed by him. He's level-headed. He's he's bright, and you know when when we talk about identifying the right personalities for players, then to me he smacks of everything to do with that. This idea mentioned before, going man to man, Dan, it was present all the way through the game, both in our both sides line up. It's dead interesting, I think, and it's and I, I, you know I, I, maybe we should get it clipped and get it played everywhere. Where Mike says that's a classic game of British football because I completely agree with him. But it's played by multiple nationalities on the pitch, coached by a Spaniard who's worked in Germany, and the other side are coached by a German. But all over the pitch, I think it was firstly come across like a classic game of English football. But it also it was this idea that the first thing everyone on that pitch had to do was find a way to win their own battle. 
that was the first thing you had to do. You were going to be left man to man all the time. And your, your first step was, how do I get the better of this guy? Yeah, definitely. And I think Liverpool's industry was unbelievable throughout the game. And I was thinking during the match, like sometimes it's unfair because you want, you want your players to be everywhere on the pitch at once. And the game's happening that fast that it just, it's impossible. But to a man, Liverpool, I mean, the Liverpool players covered every blade of grass on that, on that park. And especially, I think, defender from the front, we were, we were absolutely unbelievable. So it is, it is a classic game of English football, but it's played by, it feels like it's played by two managers who are the most innovative in the league. And it doesn't have a feel of, of, you know, Big rivalries of yesteryear, you know, your Arsenal, Man United, your Liverpool, Chelsea's, where there's there's always a hatred, there's always a needle to it. This is basically based on football and principles, and and both teams applying their principles and willing to die on their own sword. For me, I think you've seen it yesterday, and it's embodied in loads of different ways in the game, like the goal kicks, for instance. That's that city obeying their own principles and not willing to change it to come out of the game with a nil-nil draw or to make the game a stalemate. So they they're constantly trying to break lines. They're constantly trying to break the first line to get to get overloads, to get threes on twos, to get threes on fours. And Liverpool similarly are trying to press high. They're constantly getting out. They're constantly being brave. And for me, I just from a Liverpool perspective, I found myself yesterday just kept saying in the, in the game, good decision, good decision. There's tons of tons and tons of good decisions from Liverpool all over the park in terms of passing, in terms of pressing, and in terms of them just trusting each other. Talk about Robertson, talk about players like that. He was able to 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 basically go and snap into tackles further up the pitch if he wanted. He was able to shepherd players inside because they were covering for each other. They trusted each other. It was a real, real, real uh, close performance. Um, performance from the, the Liverpool shard. There's something in it's interesting where, that, something that Dan, Dan's picked up on there, Mel, and I just want to expand it that they are willing to die on the sword. And I, I've seen a lot of City this season, and I think it's the first time I've seen in that 10 minute spell. I think you saw their defenders. I thought Walker a couple of times, Stones, Otamendi, even though I thought had a very good game. But I thought for the first time you could see the ones looking over to their bench like, listen, we just need to get through this next 10 minutes here because we're really up against it. And it was the idea, no boys, you've got to stick doing, doing what you do. And, and to a certain extent, they did. But I think it's the first time you've seen this City side almost go, well, oh, hang on, we're not quite sure this season. You saw it a fair bit last season, but it's the first time this season you saw them. You saw all the doubt creep in so quickly, so, mm -hmm. so quickly in that spell. Yeah, the, uh, I think you touched on a good thing there, the uncertainty. And they make so many mistakes because they're forced to from Liverpool and they put in a position where they're not quite sure anymore which is the correct decision in this scenario because there is so much pressure on them. And when people... I've seen comments like, oh, it was just a game of mistakes. You have to force a very, very brilliant team who are so confident, who are so set in, in this way they want to play football and have been so successful this season in doing that. You have to force them into those mistakes. And Liverpool were relentless in doing that collectively. And Dan makes a good point because you had, I think individually across the park, there were some unreal performances. I'm mean, Emre in the first half an hour, especially. I remember thinking to myself, has he actually lost a duel? Because I cannot remember him in a in a situation losing out. And then I went and checked in the, the stats and he had a 100% duel success rate. That is unreal. In a game like that against those opponents, that is, it, it, he was... 
absolutely imperious. You know, we've spoken about Robertson and most tackles, most clearances, no lack of enthusiasm and energy. Uh, Genie cleaning up all over the place, setting them off. There were loads of individual things you can pick on. But as a collective, they work so hard for each other and with each other. And it was just breathtaking all over the park. And I've seen people as well say, well, this is the way you should play against City. Why haven't other teams done it? Other teams aren't Liverpool. Other teams cannot do what Liverpool did yesterday. If they could, it would have been done. It hasn't been done. Yeah, I think there's an important thing as well uh, in terms of that intensity and that energy. The crowd massively assisted that with that yesterday. And what it really reminded me of was those two games in the European Cup in 2005 when technically really good sides, Chelsea and Juventus, were, were blown away by a Liverpool team, um, but assisted by the crowd, basically cheering, screaming, booing putting them off, absolutely making the most of home advantage. That's that's what a football crowd is meant to be like yesterday. And I think, yeah, brilliant brilliant performance from the players, but it was completely in tandem with the supporters. Well, there was a real, real That's what I, a real I thought edge that was to partisan. It, it was yeah, partisan. partisan. It, it, was what it, it was what it should be as exactly. a football crowd. Yeah. It supported our players, it booed yeah. their players, it appealed for every decision, singing, shouting, screaming. And, and you know, even, you know, after all that nonsense around that crap song on Soccer AM with that blurt, <laughs> you know, trying to make, you know, you know, he's some kind of professional comedian anyway. It's not even like, you know, it's a total setup, the whole thing. To just sing Andy Robertson's name was fantastic for me because yeah. he's responded to that. He's, he's done yeah. it. I've just seen some quotes here and he says, it was unbelievable. I'd won a couple of tackles and the cop was singing my name. It gives me goosebumps. Goosebumps. I can't thank the fans enough for their support since day one. That's the best atmosphere I've played in. Now, anyone who tells me that it doesn't make a difference when you provide that, 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 that as a backdrop, that, that's a you're talking nonsense. That's a lot that's been at Celtic yeah. as well, by yeah. the way. But on that, just I'll go back to you on this, on that, Gareth, because one of the things that gets me is when Mel mentioned there, Emily Chan winning his battles, I, one of the the crowd comes alive to that. Mm. It's a double-edged sword. So I agree with Mike and that the crowd's bang up for it. But when if we were passive, if we decided we were just going to sit in, hold our shape and then look to spring them, and you know, th- there's different ways to win a football match and that may or may not have worked. <laughs> but if we'd have decided to do that, then you wouldn't have got the same atmosphere because it would have got a bit nervy, it'd be a bit, com- you know, what, what are we all about? I think that when you see engagement all over the pitch, as a football supporter, you're just repeatedly willing your next fella on to win yeah. his next battle. The next, you, there's about to be another one. And that was the thing I took from that. And I think, I think, Chan, I don't think I, I. I think they play really well when they go one 0 down City, and I think Chan massive, massively shepherds that Liverpool side through. I don't think he's very good on the ball, but off the ball he's winning he everything great, yeah. all over the place. And Van Alzheimer, yeah, and Van Alzheim as well. The, 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 the midfield was brilliant. I mean, after all the talk of you know missing Coutinho and all that, like I said earlier. The midfield three were absolutely superb. The work rate was brilliant. The tracking was brilliant. Just the will to win was was evident all the way through. And Chan apparently was ill as well. I mean, you know, perhaps you should get ill more often on the basis of that performance. But but him, but him and Van Alden, you know, at different times go missing, at different times aren't great. Yesterday, the pair of them deserve every credit because they put absolutely everything they had into that game. And you're right that the crowd do respond to that. I, I I think I always think it's the the minimum that you should see from a, a professional football player is is a, an absolute effort. Everything they've got, leave everything on the pitch. 
And and as you saw that from so many in Red yesterday, and that, that yeah. was one of the greatest things. And, and, about the, the, and then there was the skill allied to it. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, the goals are absolutely brilliant. And it's this endless debate about crowds and whether crowds should inspire players or, vi- or vice versa yeah. or both. And it's it, always mutual. And, I th- and it, it has to be mutual. Um, and I think especially in this day and age, with, with a more sanitised crowd, then there is more responsibility on the players to actually lead that relationship, if you like. And you got all of that yesterday. Is there something in, we talk a lot about, you know, I've had this conversation in the ground this season, Mike, where we end up talking about, imagine what we do with a, with a Graham Souness or something like that. Yeah. But is the, one of the things that strikes me is the amount of football matches you play where you don't get engaged with. Really, mm-hmm. there's not that much proper engagement on the pitch. It, it just doesn't happen that much anymore. It isn't like sides come to Anfield and, and you know, the, 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 all over the pitch, there's just battles going on. Because what I took from that yesterday, and it's and it happened a fair few times, I think, in the last two or three seasons, you get to see what this Liverpool side looks like when it comes up in a fight. And I yeah. don't mean there's lads kicking each other off the park. I mean... There's different ways to be brave when you play football. And one is to always want the ball, always want to play, to always try and win it back, to always take your man on, to always be in the opponent's face. And that's what you saw yesterday. You didn't see a terrible tackle or anything like that. But you saw proper football and bravery. And both sides, both sides. And we just, you know, I think that that's one of the things that gets the crowd going. When you get to see that, and then you also get to admire your footballers. Yeah, totally. I mean, and I think where Liverpool struggle and where the crowd isn't as as engaged is when opponents come to Anfield and try to take away that that energy um, because that's a tactic that's a tactic that Liverpool have struggled against um, you know to, to make it not a battle um, to, to, to be negative you know so but with City with Arsenal you know you, you, with Spurs if you like you always get the chance to play and, you, and, and I think Liverpool it absolutely suit these those type of games. The, the, and Wijnaldum for me is is a perfect example here because I've seen I've seen that performance from, from Wijnaldum in big games yeah. at Anfield loads of times. And where his inconsistency lies is in the less intense games and away from home. I mean, it's still a remarkable stat that he's never scored an away goal. Um, you don't quite quite get that. And I really like him as a player. I think there was nothing you could say, nothing in his performance that you couldn't. Um, be impressed or you could be impressed with loads loads of impressive stuff from from yesterday um and it, for, it, for him his, his development as a player is to be able to do that in less intense games and away from home you love your footballers when they're in a battle Dan. and that's what, and that's why you fall in love with your footballers as well it's why you remember why you know you love to go and watch these lads when they get to be in a battle and i think that's that's one of my big takeaways from yesterday you know there's lots and lots of tactical things we're going to come on to talk about bits of them bits of oddnesses in there but one of the things that when when you feel as though you feel a tooth and nail when you feel it viscerally there's something going on here. And as I say, this isn't the idea of kicking people. It's the idea of being brave, demanding the ball, winning your one-on-one, gliding past someone, whatever it is, when you feel as though your footballer is prepared to go above and beyond and demonstrate his superiority. Yeah, definitely. And I think that it's it's a testament to these Liverpool players that it the game yesterday suits so many of them, just touching on what you're saying, Mike. If you look at Chan and Wijnaldum, that game's made for both of them yesterday. Yeah. Chan always needs to be involved in a football match. That's why he's everywhere. That's why he's reading things all over the pitch. We've seen Wijnaldum. I mean, Wijnaldum yesterday, that ability to to take take the sting out of that midfield when necessary, to actually slow it down to his pace, to turn with the ball, to get his body in, to, to move the ball for Liverpool, is absolutely fantastic in a game like that. That's what you require. Counteract that with a team who just comes sit in with the low bank and don't want to engage. Then that's when then them types of players look ponderous. They look like they're taking too many touches. They look like it's all a bit slow. And I think I think yesterday what, what the players do really well is they alleviate the fans' anxieties slightly. And that you're walking to the game, you're thinking about this Manchester City side who've not been beaten all season and you're thinking, 
God, are they going to pin us? Are they going to be shifting us left and right? Are we going to sit in? What's our game plan? Are we going to be passive? Are we going to let them get on top of us? And it kind of creeps in a little bit at 1-0 that we, we see them starting to get on top and you can feel a little bit of anxiety in the crowd, but the players don't stand for it. And I think Klopp, Klopp's comments are really interesting after the game that you can either play the lottery on the edge of your own box and hope nothing happens, but it's unlikely, or you'd be brave. And again, it's like I said at the top of the show, there's tons of bravery all over the park from the when we go one 0 up and it's a great goal and it's 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 symptomatic of something which I think you see us do really really well, Mel. Which is um, which I think if there is one thing as an opposition manager or player looking at that city side and what we do yesterday, I would consider taking. It wouldn't just be the idea of pressing them high. It's the idea of running pretty directly. I yeah. think there's the Liverpool. I think have really sat down and gone. These lads don't want you to run at them. Mm. They don't want you to commit mm. them. And you see Oxley Chamberlain when he picks that ball up before we even get on to what happens after then. By being dynamic and by just running vertically and quickly, he does just take three players out the game. He doesn't even have to do a trick. It's just that there's suddenly three City players now who are gone, they're out of position. And you see Otamendi's movement around there. He's not sure if he's got to go and help his full-back yeah, out or yeah, block, yeah. and that creates the room. And it's about doubt, which is what you said before, putting doubt in people's minds. Absolutely. Um, they City are so used to asking questions of other teams opponents don't ask them questions don't give them conundrums to solve and you're right there the fact that Liverpool was so aggressive and direct and what Ox does there when he runs at them is now posing a direct question to them which they haven't because they're not used to doing and it doesn't happen to them often enough they don't know really the answer they still have to work that out and he was brilliant I was I was happy that he started you know we were discussing in the pre-match show who Klopp would go for and, you know, Paul Cope and I both thought maybe he'd go for Lalana for the experience and stuff in this fixture. And I think it, that battle between both of them during the week to get the starting position was really close. Um, there may have been a tinge as well of Klopp wanting Ox to play because he came off the bench in that 5-0 defeat to City. And I think, you know, Emery played in that game. Genie played in that game as well. I think the midfield were really up to show, you know what, we're not far off these here. We can mix it with them. And if it stayed 11 v 11, which if you listen to all the interviews before the match, even from Guardiola and Clark, you know, everyone said that these teams, when there's no refereeing decision to, you know, to sort of dictate the balance or flow of the game, that they're pretty equal and matched up. And I think you saw that from everyone, you know, we touched on it before individually players. I thought that Ox was excellent again in terms of his creativity, dynamism, the verve, everything that he offered was great. And in that moment, it was a case of individual brilliance. But again, then moving back, you know, Firmino does everything to ensure that he wins the ball. He's so strong in that situation. He wins the ball, he gets it to Ox, comes from a carrier's goal kick, all of that, which then it you know, shows why you wanted to start him in that game because he does have the ability uh, to release Liverpool early and kick that far. Uh, but yeah. But not save shots, not save that <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to get to the goalkeeper. <laughs> we are, don't you worry. <laughs> we are going to get to the goalkeeper. Um, before I bring Gareth back in, Dan, there is also, there was that, that feeling. We go 1-0 and it's a, great, it's a really good finish. I think if you're there, keeper, you might be looking at the video wondering a little bit if, if you should maybe get across and get a hand to it, but we'll put that to one side. What I think is, is what you then see is you get to see their class. I think they respond to 1-0 really, really well. They, they take the time, they grow back into the game. 
they just sort of they steer it for a bit and then suddenly we're left just trying to steer it and they're shifting us left and right with those big diagonals really worrying us really concerning us I think they're, they're very, very impressive in that period. And we, I'm not going to say we're hanging on, but by the time the goal comes, I'm beginning to think for the first time in the half, and I'm really like this at Anfield, I'll just get in here at 1-0 if we can, boys. Yeah, definitely. And I watched it back this morning, and at 1-0, no team really carves open the other one and creates a clear-cut opportunity until the equaliser. But you can just see them... Trying their the different ball things. The box, yeah, yeah, we're we could get weekend. on the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that. It's but, sad. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I just, I mean, City, City. I think initially playing to our hands without the set up because they're very much a four-one-four-one, and we talked on the Friday show that we thought maybe they dropped a Brunier and Gundogan next to uh, to Finn and Dino and just and have at least two in that position, Shepard on either side. While that works for us and our goal. What you then see is like you see them them turning the screw slightly, trying to work little passages of play either side, and then that big diagonal switch. And and the, I mean the goal look, people can have a goal with, at the keeper or, or Gomez, and it's a bit harsh I think because, I mean firstly our two fullbacks took in really really tightly to the centre halves, and I was watching Gomez, it was right on line with me, and he's he's got an eye on Sané all the time, but he's letting him hang wide. He gets there's one just before where he makes the header. The second one he doesn't make it and he cuts in. But I think for a player like Joe Gomez, look, you know, he's learning, he's still developing. And if we're accepting that for 90% of the time, he's going to be brilliant. Then we have to accept for that 10% it might lead to a goal. And that's the class of Manchester City. You know, that, that could happen against any other side in the league and that doesn't result in a goal. But, you know, you've got to play with the touch. The first touch of Lilo Shani is out of this world. Fantastic. So I think that it sets everything up he wants to do, doesn't it? What, it puts, him, yeah, puts him where he needs to be next. Either sets him up for a pass, like you say, takes him wherever he needs to go on the pitch next. Absolutely brilliant. So it's like I said before, it's real fine margins that you're dealing with in this game, and it's real high quality. So that a mistake where ordinarily someone else would be on the cover, or you keep it on making the post save, the fine margins that that ends up in a goal and. I was like you. I I wanted us to get to to the half. I was just just begging for the half so that we could get in and, and look at it. But you know what a team the way we react and and we don't fall apart and we don't give in to any kind of of narrative that this is an unbeaten side who will go on to be unbeaten. Yeah, no, the the ads didn't go at all, did they? Which which was great. And and neither did the crowds had to go either. I mean, I think my my first thought actually on the goal was at the time was it was a good goal. Do you know what I mean? I, I've watched it back now and, I, and I, I, I can understand all the criticism around the keeper. He literally gets a, an hand on it, you know. But I actually thought the shift and the hit was decent at the time, do you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, it doesn't look great. The more, I'm, the more I'm, replays I'm gonna, you I'm going to defend him slightly here. Um, his, his positioning's poor and, you know, the old adage about you should be beaten on your near post, but the pace of that shot was incredible. Well, that's what I thought. It, that's absolutely. What I mean. It was a he belted the shift it. And, the, and, and the power on it at the time when I was, I mean, I'm literally watching it from the other end of the pitch. Yeah. I mean, I'm at the top of the cop, but like, I thought, my first reaction wasn't, oh, we were shite there. Do you know what I mean? No. But then you watch it back and obviously you can do the individual mistake thing. We can do that about all their goals, pretty, I mean, our goals. Exactly if you know, that, like, yeah. like the, you know, there's loads of quality involved in the goals, but at the same time, there's mistakes. And yeah. these are the, this is the team that's going to win the league. So, 
I'm, know, livid, I'm livid with John Stones if I'm them for our second. Yeah. I'm fucking livid with him. Yeah, but Gary Neville's made up, isn't he? Because now he's not the only one who's conceded a goal like that well, yeah. uh, <laughs> against Liverpool. Oh, that, that, he didn't mention it yesterday. It was just, just, I know, yeah. It's just uh, a replay of Fowlers against United, that one. But, uh, yeah, God, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> one of the, the same goal, isn't it? One of the things that I think happens in that, what I think's learned from at the break, Mel, is, is the idea that what the manager said at the end of the game that Dan said before, the idea that he go that that he just almost decides if we're going to win this, we're going to have to win it by dominating. Mm-hmm. It's the only way to win that. The only way this Liverpool, my Liverpool team, wins this game solely by dominating. And I think that's what you see in comparison to the first half, where as I say, I think we needed Shepherdson. They were moving us around a little bit after one 0 It wasn't as though we go one. We are a little bit on top, but you're not. We by 15 minutes, that's that's dissipated. That's over. This time, second half, you see us go. When we get the goal, second, I think we come out a little slow, and then we absolutely were all over them. And then we we score. And I saw the manager; he was at, he was screaming at them to push up, push up. Can I just make a step point back. before yeah. before Mel speaks very quickly? I think that goal does us a favour because I think do they not equalise? Then we probably play a little bit more on the retreat second half, and it could quite easily have just ended up one one. Um, and they get a late equaliser, but I think the way that they come, they, you know, we go in, we go in level. We've got to do it all again. We're back on the front foot, and I think that shapes our performance in the second half. And what we do within that is um, is capitalise with with great finishing. In a way, I was. This is odd. Sounds odd. Obviously, you don't want the opposition to score, but I was happy that they got that goal because then it allowed Liverpool to show a reaction and a theme during the week that was spoken about at Melwood from the manager was no fear is allowed. No fear is allowed. And I think when you're 1-0 up, it's easier not to have fear against City. When they equalise, and this is a team that have shown that they can, you know, just absolutely dominate and then demolish a side, a very good side. Spurs tried to do what Liverpool did yesterday, by the way, play them high and Spurs got absolutely battered. Um, I think humanly like just naturally that you do start to fear a little bit you know hesitation creeps in and all these things for Liverpool not to show fear and actually strike so much fear into City that Edison is kicking straight to Mohamed Salah this is a goalkeeper who I think we've all said you know he could kick it from here to Manchester if he wanted to um to force those kind of mistakes by being so aggressive was really, really good to see. And like I said before, that nine-minute spell, when you watch it back and, you know, you're watching highlights of it and it's so quick in the highlights, you sat there in the ground as it's materialising. That two and a half minutes, Liverpool scored two goals and hit the post. You're just sitting there and you're stunned and the opposition as well have no idea what to do because, you know, City's nickname is a shark team, but I've never seen hunting and, you know, absolute jaws everywhere. <laughs> it's know. Benjamin Mendy. But like jaws everywhere, like Liverpool were in that period. Just all of them, like three or four players, you know, pressing at once, doing everything to win the ball back then. So strong. Mohamed Salah. You know, we talk about his goals and his pace, but his strength, his ability to knock anyone off the ball, regardless of how unbalanced he is and stuff, is absolutely superb. But then the finishes, Roberto Firmino's goal, he goes from, you know, there's all this power and aggression and then just the stunning, absolutely stunning 
delightful, delicate finish. It's, it was just breathtaking. Yeah, um, couldn't agree more. Um, and yeah, I suppose the, the Salah goal um, sort of emphasises all of that about forcing players into mistake, but it's it's still an outrageous chip. I mean, the the, the, the two goals, uh, Firmino's goal and, Salah, and Salah's goal, I mean, I love a chip. You know, a dink, whatever you want to call it, and they're both executed absolutely perfectly. Mm. And Mane, Firmino's takes an age to it, go it in. Seems yeah. to, doesn't it? It's like yeah. there's a huge pause, and it was like, like everyone put, like almost put their arms around each other on the coffin and went, yeah. "Is it going in? Yeah, is it going in? It's going it's in. It's one of those mouth wide open moments where your mouth's wide open for ages, and you're like waiting and yeah. waiting. I like you were waiting on the spin of the ball. That's yeah, what I yeah, felt like yeah. when the Which ball is it going to go. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like it wasn't going in at one point. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. When the ball hit the deck, I was waiting for it to spin one way or the other. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, you you can't. The other thing as well is, is that then you've got the the Mane goal, which he hits with his wrong foot, um, and that, and it actually curls. It, it starts. It starts it out wide of the post, and it curls inside the post. It's an absolute beauty, um, and the. I think the, this was the expression of the way the cop reacted to those goals was just completely sort of, well, basically mirrored the beauty of the finishes. And it was absolutely crazy on the cop yesterday. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was, I mean, you were in there, Gareth, as well, I think, yeah, weren't you? Yeah, I, I lost, um, I, like, do you lose your glasses as usual? I lost my glasses. <laughs> my mate got elbowed in the face, but like didn't care. You know what yeah, I mean? It was yeah. like people were flying over seats and yeah, it was, yeah. It, was it was mad. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's why I wear contact lenses the match. Because um, I've lost that many I'm pairs of glasses, that, yeah. but it's been it's been a while. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. But just a sheer reflection of what people were watching in front of them. You know, people were just completely buoyed up by it, seeing such quality. You know, seeing- what was the most mental thing about that little period? So all of this is happening, and it's it's so quick and it's so enthralling, and like you said, the atmosphere, every everything feels. You don't know actually how to feel because so much is happening. Well, you, and you, you're, like, you're living and breathing, which yeah. is what a football supporter is meant to do. Absolutely. You're like jumping out of yourself, even as, you know what, if it's two neutral teams and you have to write about it as well, If, if even if you've got no affiliation, when all that is going on, it's adrenaline, so much is happening. I look up and I'm like, it's only 68 minutes. Oh my goodness. Only 68 minutes of football have been played. I think I felt after about 12 minutes, I looked at the clock and I thought, I can't believe there's only only 12 12 minutes gone. It felt like it had been going on for an hour. Yeah, this is something Klopp's created though, I think, is that that notion that everyone in that ground who isn't associated to Manchester City senses blood. They smell blood and we all act as one and we all act on it. And, we, and I mean, we need to do it more often. Though, he creates Dan. that collectivity, and that's what he goes on about it all the time, yeah. Mike, doesn't he? And no, that's, I and think that's, that's what he's what enough. he's getting to. And, I don't um, think he's saying I want you to sing Paul Scouser Tommy for ninety minutes. I no. think what he's saying is we it's need to aggression. do this collectively. Yeah, yeah, it's aggression. Yeah, um, and as I said before, you know, home advantage. That's the whole point of home advantage is that mm. you make you make it count in your favour. And you know, without wishing to sort of end on a downer here we, we don't it's, Anfield's not like that regularly and often yet it's yeah. a big game it's a kick off time when everyone's had a pint um, but the Liverpool support as a route you know just across the, across the um, the match going fraternity have got to try and replicate that as best they can for all the fixtures um, it is difficult though Mike it is difficult I think when, when there's that idea that there's the expectation that you're, you're not just going to even just win the game but that you're going to dominate do you yeah. know what I mean and I think sure. that's something which I think this is a league wide problem now I think one of the there's a couple of things one of the things that would actually help is bigger away allocations but I think that's something else that would actually help you know would be games where you're not where you know you think about I'm trying to give a good example of one 
Yeah, yeah, you know, let's imagine let's imagine it's 70 minutes against Swansea. We beat mm-hmm. them five now, but let's imagine we don't and it's 70 minutes against Swansea and it's still nil-nil. There's a big let out let off when you make it one-nil, but yeah. you saw everyone gets out of the ground relieved, not mm-hmm. pumped up. You're no. just relieved because mm-hmm. of the feeling that otherwise it would have been two points dropped. Yeah. And I think that's something which I think it was I think it has been forever thus. But now I think it's the case more and more and more when you go into these matches. Whereas Leicester, that was a you know, the crowd was great that day because yeah. there was loads the in the game. And loads think, in the game. And I think just sort of harking back to the point I made earlier as well, is that the opposition who who face up against Liverpool most successfully are the ones that can take the emotion out of the game and, yeah. they, do, and they do that through through negativity so you know Allardyce is at Everton for the, the other week we didn't play particularly well in that cup tie did we um, because they negated a lot of what Liverpool do best by making it a terrible game of football basically when Liverpool are allowed to play they're fantastic and looking further forward the biggest challenge that Klopp faces and Liverpool face is being is being able to counter uh, counteract those those more negative tactics where the, the opposition are deliberately taking the emotion out of the fixture. But the, but the next Liverpool time that happens, done that really well though this season. We struggled with that in the last campaign, but I think we've rectified it. Quite we're, we're, we're better well. at it, yeah. yeah. But you know, that's, that's that. across the course of the campaign, there's still there's still annoying dropped points, uh, particularly with draws, but. I mean, what, what what I take out of that, I I am with you. I agree with you that that there's going to be we're going to face tactics again that that don't suit how we play, and and that's almost another test again. But what's good about yesterday, obviously, is just the confidence that it will. I mean, you know, those finishes are, are finishes of confident players. You know, it, it, I, I was saying when I came out about, do, do you remember this idea that that Sadio Mane is not having a good season? He's scoring loads of belters. Yeah. He's scoring loads of belters. He's back healing things to, to set people up. And all right, and, and if he's got another gear to go to as well, then fantastic. Um, but I think, you know, know, I think we know he has because we saw a lot of it last season. But you know, you, you've got sliding in to you, win the ball and stuff. Right? Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. But you've got, you know, you've got Salah's goal record, which is amazing. You've got Firmino now, who's on a season which is his best goal scoring um, record of his career. So you know all the, all the conversations about not being able to score goals or needing the genuine number nine or why why is this fella there when you know you're not you're not sure about him? These have all sort of ended now, and so you know for a side to come and just shut up shop and park the bus and all that and expect Liverpool not to have a chance across ninety minutes, it's back to you know all the best, all all the best yeah. with that as a tactic. Um, talk about some performances all over the pitch. Um, mentioned Chan first half, Gareth. It's it, it's it's about it, again. It's about aggression. It's about winning your tackles, and that is what what, what really strikes me as interesting around the the, the Klopp Guardiola um, shifts in football and shifts in football styles and etc. All that sort of stuff. There's just some truisms that are just that just stay there, and and I think I think you see that from Emery Chan for all the unbelievable quantities of tactical information I'm sure he has to absorb of the way in which you know we're going to set up like this you play in these zones you do this but goal kicks are mad there's six on the edge of their area there's three up there and then there's this massive rectangular space for all of that some old truisms apply you've got a battle in front of you you've got to win it and you've got to win it by taking the ball off them and letting them know that you, they're not going to get a minute's piece and I think that you saw that from Chan first first 40 minutes especially yeah definitely you did and and it's, it's mindset it's personal mindset as well isn't it it's you know if there's a frustration there it's that you know, you could probably say you've seen games what all of them have played, including them, right? Where where they just haven't been as up for it as that. But but for whatever reason, they were all in the right place. They were all in the right place mentally, and and it just, you can see it in 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 how they chase the ball and how they harry. But also, it, it's like you know, you could see you'd have a first chop at Tana winning, 
and it might not work, but keep going, keep going, keep going. And I was looking at City players at that time. Like, I, I absolutely loved De Bruyne, and I know I'm not alone on that. And he's a fella that, to me, that just can dictate matches, can decide all of a sudden, bang, we're going to go at these. And he did that a couple of times there yesterday, and I thought, shit. Uh, but also what I did see from him a couple of times as well, though, was he'd lose out and he'd put his hands on his hips. And I'm like, well, that's not the man. You haven't got the right mindset today. You're looking at Liverpool going, Jesus. Whereas Emre, Van Alzen, Robertson, Chamberlain, they were just going and going and going and going and just kept, as I say, like, you know, they might, they might, the first tackle might not work and they were getting up and putting another one in and, and just chasing lost causes seemingly all the time. And City just couldn't live with that. And it, and it must have taken a hell of a lot of energy to do that. I think I think Klopp was talking about later about the, you know, the press and being amazing and, and almost the best he'd seen. And I go along with that because the energy to play how Liverpool did without the ball for the majority of the game, you know, amazing. There's there's I agree with you. And there's there's swarms of defending from Liverpool yeah. and and it's it's completely across the ten outfield players and that. You see, it's led from the front as well. Firmino is he's waving people over to where he wants them to be. He's cutting off lanes, like we said at the start of the show. And it's it's the thing with this Liverpool team that when they're on it, nothing works without it all working together and them all understanding how it works. And that's why that's why we see that people get signed by by this manager and they don't go into the side straight away because it takes time to adapt to this. It takes time to get used to what's being asked of you because for you to be in a certain place on the pitch. It has to affect the other five or six players around you in red also, and that's that's completely indicative of this this team press that this manager wants. And I think I think it's it's massively impressive from us that we're able to apply it in such a game like this. And all of them players for me yesterday were were a, a player in in the embodiment of what the manager sees and he wants. And it, it, it's impressive that they still get the freedom to go and play their game as well, and they get the trust to go and play their game. And that's. Like I said before, I've been nervous about big games in the past when we played United or we played a Mourinho Chelsea or other sides of that ilk where the games are so scruffy and horrible and, and just dictated by something that is is you feel like there's only gonna be one opportunity or one one breaking of quality throughout the game. Where in this game it's it's so tactically defined, but also it's it's got loads of expression about it, and, and that's like I say, it's a massive testament to the two managers who deserve huge respect from me. When we're talking about the battles, one of the things that struck me first half was Matip and especially Lovren, <coughs> Mel, coming a long, long way at times out of what a conventional defending sort of third, and and looking to nick the ball in front, and and then whether they do or they don't, as Gareth said before, if they don't, they just kept going, kept going like the idea of I'm just gonna, we're just gonna absolutely go until until one or two things happens, we've won the ball back or the ball goes dead, whether it's a free kick or something else, uh, or a throw or something. We are just gonna keep going, keep going, yeah. keep going, and I think that's really interesting because that's not something you've seen from Klopp very often. It's quite Van Hal really the idea that mm. you know you're man to man and you go that far, but you, it must have been under instruction because I refuse to believe either centre half were that comfortable with it. It's not nice to suddenly be all the way down there, but it was quite clear that's the agenda, boys. That's what you're doing. And as I say, I think first hour especially you see it from Lovren. Yeah, everything was front foot all over the pitch. Everyone had to be aggressive. Everyone had to make City uncomfortable. I think that was the point of everything because if you allow them to do any of the things that they want to do, which are plentiful, they will do them and they will execute very well. So you had to continuously frustrate and 
like we said before, give them questions to answer all the time that they haven't really had to deal with this season. Um, you know, I saw Lovren nicking the, coming forward to nick the ball off Sane, Aguero, and it was happening all over, even the fullbacks, you know. And there were times where Ginny was right next to Joe Gomez, helping Joe, uh, um, right next to Andy Robertson, helping Andy Robertson win the ball. Everything was done collectively. And I think, you know, we talk about this relentless press that Liverpool did. It only worked because everyone bought into it. And there was a trust from everyone that if the centre-backs come, the full-backs are going to cover the midfields there to help. If you don't get it, it's okay. Somebody else is is going to be there to help you. And I think Liverpool first half exception, did that exceptionally. In that period, the mental period, the pressing... The, description clock used was out of this planet and it, it really mm. was because I think we can often forget sometimes because maybe we don't like to get carried away or you know there always has to be balance this is a, a really phenomenal football team that Liverpool played against and for Liverpool to be able to do that to them for for a large large period of the game you know in the first half but and I know everything will boil down to that spell because that's effectively where, you know, Liverpool won the game. But for the largest bit of that encounter, Liverpool were forcing City into things that City don't want to be forced into. And they are... The reason they come back into that game is because they're such a phenomenal side. They are formidable. They don't know when they're beaten. They refuse to be beaten, which is why they. they but also, that they're, used to, they're used to that situation as well. Yeah. De Bruyne was saying last week the reason we win so many games late is because the other team's knackered. The other team can't. The other team can't do that. What Liverpool were doing for ninety, and neither could Liverpool. It's Ultimately. momentum as well, isn't it? Though I always say, I always say. Bournemouth away will win City the league this season. That's their yeah, end goal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, gives them that momentum. I've said that myself a few times, Dan. Yeah. Because um, yeah, that sort of kick-starts them, doesn't it? Does, yeah. it? It was about the 96th minute, I think it was as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that belief that um, you go on and win. Yeah, and, and, that, then, and, then, and that just grows and grows and grows yeah, with every single game. I, mean, I think, just a, a general point, I think the, our result yesterday does the Premier League a massive favour because I think too many teams are playing City now and just going into it thinking we're just going to get hammered here. Um, and if Liverpool have shown the way, and yeah, Mel, Mel's right in saying not many seat tired can can do it, but Liverpool have cre- at least created a blueprint as to how to beat Manchester City. And if that's about dominance, then every other th- team in the league has to try and dominate them. One of the things that struck me, Mike, when Mel says there, and you mentioned De Bruyne, Gareth mentions De Bruyne, I that was the tiredest I've seen that City side. I think he gets about seventy five because their goals don't really come. And I want to we're going to talk about their goals now. Those two late goals and the goalkeeper in general, but those goals don't really come, Mike. From it's not like they're absolutely turning the screw. They're not yeah. doing to us what we did to them. Mm. No. That's what's not happening. I'm, I was quite I was quite intrigued by that. They just looked two or three of them. I, I mean, De Bruyne to one side because he's unreal, but two or three of them I thought just sort of looked like I I, I can't. I, I've got nothing. I, I think, I think, I've got nothing. Yeah, left. I think the goals come out of the blue and effectively they've given up the ghost. Um, and coming out the ground, although it was nerve-wracking the last couple of minutes, and they had, I think they had a chance that hits the side net in it 4-3, um, it sort of didn't, didn't feel like a 4-3, if you know what I mean. You, yeah. you were still sort of imbued with the, with the 4-1-ness of it all, yeah. um, because 
effectively they were consolation goals, but it, it could have you know it could have turned out worse, of yeah. course, right at the end. But it, they they felt like consolation goals at the time. Four one at eighty four minutes. Yeah, on. yeah. Mm-hmm. Finished four one in my eyes. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not counting yeah. them. You're not you? arguing with the league table. Yeah, I, I watched it back today and switched it off at four one because that's how it finished to me. To be honest, <laughs> I'm, I'm not counting to them. To be fair, goals. even in the press box, there was that feeling that four one was a more reflective mm-hmm. outcome of, of how yeah, things, tra- how we things transpired and okay <laughs> get it <laughs> <laughs> Emery, Emery going off doesn't help because he was so yeah. effective in that midfield and you know Milner what it, struggled, it's, I yeah, it's so so yeah. difficult to come into a game at that pace and and immediately get up to speed with mm. It's easy, like you know you sat there on the sideline and you thinking if I get introduced this is what I've got to do you've watched the game you've seen what's been working tactically you know what you're going to do but lads that game was played at an unreal absolutely well, unreal pace and and you think back to the the, the fixture at um not not the the as he had this season, but last season, and we talked about exactly the same things, exactly. didn't we? This breathless yeah. encounter, this incredible game of football. At the time, it, it was a one-one draw, wasn't it? But we we were on the same on the show afterwards, and we took, and we said it could quite easily have been five-four to either side. Mm. Um, and I think there were loads of similarities, and that's not a coincidence. It's just it's just the way that those two teams shape up, and then and the, the way they mirror and match each other in the in those sort of styles and philosophies that Dan was talking about. The manager said pre-match of a selection of uh, Carrius over Mignolet that it was not the idea that one was being rested. It was the idea that it was an opportunity for one to, to for, well, for Carrius to take the shirt away from Mignolet. Seems to have made that really rather clear. Um, Mike Nevin, did he do enough? No, not for me. Um, and I think I'm going to be critical of Jürgen for that comment because I, th- I think he's backed himself into a massive corner there. Because to say, you know, if he performs in this game, he gets the shirt. Well, for me, for most people, I think he didn't perform. So what? Where does he go next? Um, I think he's. I think he's caused. A, he's caused a problem for himself. If he picks him again, and I think he will. I think he'll, he'll. I think he'll stick to his guns on this. Then you have to say that he therefore construes yesterday's performance from Carriers to be all right. And I, don't, I just didn't think it was. He didn't say if he performs in this game. He there said was some, if he, something about yeah, that. There was something said, similar he said to that. If he performs, it's his. But he doesn't want to be chopping and changing goalkeepers. I think. But he has done to, already, hasn't he? Yeah, to me, this is what this is. Mignolet's played, he's had 201 appearances for Liverpool, 155 in the league. He's been here for five years. You know what you're getting from Simon Mignolet. Liverpool aren't going to learn anything new about Simon Mignolet from now till the end of the season. Liverpool have quite clearly been looking to strengthen their core. Virgil van Dijk, Naby Keita, they're still looking at defenders. They have looked at goalkeepers and they will continue to look at goalkeepers. And they should buy a top-class goalkeeper in the summer. Why, there is why, can't, no way, why can't he buy one now, in January? Which top-class goalkeeper is available in um, January? Who's the guy you mentioned before, Dan? Uh, all Black. All Black, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. available in January. I, I don't know. <laughs> If it's not him, there will be keepers, keepers that are available. And on your point there, Mel, the responsibility is to pick the best goalkeeper. And regardless of what you think, but how I, I do agree. We know we've not given Carrius the chance to prove he's well, I, not the better goalkeeper. He's played. I, so to say on. that again, Mignolet's had two hundred and one yeah, appearances, one hundred and fifty-five in the league. Carrius has had twenty-seven games, fourteen in the league. And we've probably not, not as a good one. 
is the problem. Yeah, he's I, not. He's, he's like, not the best goalkeeper. No one's club. got. No one's got a, a body of evidence to go. Remember that game when he won us it with a string of great saves because he, he hasn't done that. He hasn't made saves. And like you know, yesterday City have what four shots on target, score three. And, and, and you know, but what... has Simon Mignolet over his period of time at Liverpool had enough chances to have those games where you're like, hey, yeah, Mignolet did great there. Save, well, got yeah, us it, some points it, with it, that save. It, yeah, still, he, yeah, there are that there, there Stoke. is Stoke away last season. West I'm not Brom, saying he didn't do Watford. it. I'm saying has he had enough games to be able. Well, to get to that point gen- gen- where he I is doing that. generally speaking, most people agree that Mignolet's not they're good enough shite. for Liverpool. Um, they're both shite. And they're if both they're, not if, good if, enough. If they're both shite, which I'm inclined to sort of agree with, I think, Mignolet, I think Mignolet's better than Carrius at, at the end of the day. And if I'm picking the team, I'm picking my best goalkeeper. It's just, it, to me, it's just as simple as that. And on the respective bodies of evidence, I think Mignolet's a better keeper than Carrius. I think, but I, you've I, got I, enough I evidence of Mignolet. We don't have enough evidence of Carrius. And if well, Liverpool... I, Liverpool Liverpool should be looking to buy a top goalkeeper. I think it's the kind of pedigreed goalkeeper Liverpool need. I think it's difficult to get a deal like that over the line in in January. But if not now, in the summer, Liverpool should. Absolutely, I don't think anyone will disagree. Liverpool need a world-class goalkeeper. Liverpool have needed that for ages and ages and ages. That Mignolet's been here for five years and had 201 appearances and hardly, apart from last season since Carriers came in, been ever, yeah. ever threatened as the first club. I, I, I totally respect your opinion, Mel, but I just, I just think that Mignolet's a better keeper than Carriers, and it, for me it's just as simple as that. You pick your best goalkeeper and, and I don't think, I mean, it's, like, it's not up to me, I'm not the manager, but my opinion is that I think he's the better keeper. I have a bit of a theory on this as to why he's been brought back in now. I think it's Van Dijk. I think he's waited to get Van Dijk in to get his organisational skills, to get his communication skills in. And I think he's waited to put Carriers back in with a defender like that in the back four. I, I just, I, I think it's too coincidental. Like, look, he must be training better than Mignolet. He sees him every day. He's getting reports from the goalkeeper and coach and stuff like that. He must be. He must be well, training. When, better are we, when are we going to start saying that in matches? Then we, I don't know, Mike. I, look, I don't. I don't particularly rate him myself, to be honest. Um, I think. I think he's, he has better attributes than Mignolet in a lot of ways, and I think his housekeeping's quite better around his box. Not not hundred. No, not ten times better than Mignolet, but I think it's slightly better. But I just think it's too coincidental for me. I, I think. I think the introduction into to Van Dijk into that back four with everything he brings, I think he's looked at that and thought that's where he gets his run of games. And I think that's what he's prepped us for with them comments yesterday is that he's getting at least the next five or ten, I think. I think, yeah, I, I, I said agree that before. With... I, I said that he'll, I think he'll stick to his guns on it. I yeah. do. Um... I agree with you in saying that part of it is the fact that Liverpool have brought in Van Dijk, but it's also the point I was trying to make is that you, there is, you can't have an argument from Simon Mignolet with him saying, you've not given me a fair crack to prove that mm. I'm good enough to be the number one goalkeeper at this club when Liverpool do go and bring in a new goalkeeper. But Loris Carrius can say, well, he, I was never given a fair run. He needs to save something though, Mel. He needs to save something quite soon. So he has yes. a good game away at Sevilla. <laughs> Where I think he makes three or four pretty good saves, but it, but none of them count in the grand scheme of things because the the game finishes three three. Yeah, he needs he genuinely Mel he needs he needs some saves to hang his hat on to be able to go there you are that's what I'm going to bring you and I'm going to do that sort of stuff and I don't think he just needs that for 
I don't think he just needs that for us. It wouldn't surprise me. Dan's mentioning Van Dijk there. He may well need that for his teammates as well. Yeah. Because I do wonder, you know, the idea of maybe a bit of a fresh start because <clears throat> I'd be stunned if at some point, given all the time Jürgen Klopp's been Liverpool manager, if he hasn't had conversations with the centre-halves and said, who would you rather play in front of? Mm. Who would you rather play in front of? Just because because they do seem, you know, if we're both of the, we're all of the view, broadly speaking, that neither of them should be starting week in, week out for Liverpool. Mm. So, you know, it's not like there's a clear head and shoulders option. And I, I just wondered if he has thought, well, there is a fresh start in this, but he's going to have to save something pretty soon for all parties, for us, for the for the players on the pitch, for himself, for Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. He's going to have to make a save that that feels critical. You get the grace of that Sane goal if you you throw your hat on two after it. You exactly I mean? that. Yeah. If you make if you if you if somehow you get across the Bernardo Silva one a four one, <clears throat> and you tip that round the post, you get the grace. Can, of Sane can goal. I just, can I just say something else on and this is something that really annoyed me as a Liverpool supporter yesterday is that Carrie has picked the ball out of the net for the third time and then. Um, like basically beseeches the cop to, to give more support oh, the I cop had that, been yeah. absolutely bouncing all day and had supported the team 100% and I just thought that came comes across really poor it's, it's not it's not good communication yeah, it's, like, with your it's, support. You, it's used this it's, yeah yeah um, <laughs> it's, and like, I, it's, and it's not me you know I, 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 as, as a sort of a passionate emotional Liverpool fan that upset me that because I thought, you know, we've been absolutely right behind you all game. We've, you know, we've we've frightened the bloody opposition. We've reduced the the level of their performance. Don't be telling me to, to support to give me give more support. Can I have? I don't, a, I don't need to. I don't need to be asked. I've, I've do, I'm doing it. I've done it. Can I have a really grind my gears moment as well? Go on. Uh, why why stole? Can Liverpool not keep team news in house? Because why 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 are things getting leaked? Stole. It, on the morning of the biggest biggest game, arguably of the season, that our, our centre half isn't playing, I think that's absolutely mad. And look, I know that there's the internet and the staff and there's social media and there's a million ways that things get out. But to see first it as a rumour, secondly it being confirmed in the media, all you're doing there is basically going to City, our lads, their best centre half's not playing, and. And I, 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 I was staggered that, that 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 happened, and I just thought it just gives them a massive pre-match yeah, boost. Yeah. Like, like if you're a red, why do you want it? Why, why do you want to hand the opposition some good news? Why do you want to lift their dress? Remember, because um, that's what you're doing. When Liverpool played v Sev Lots in the uh, 1983 European Cup, Dal right. Dalglish was ill, and Liverpool kept it quiet, and the cop was bouncing before the game, and then there was a, then there was a shock. When it, it was David Hodgson played in the number seven shirt, but the, we didn't give the crowd time to be deflated because it was in, it was announced right at the last minute when the teams were at house, and but hopefully that's uh, sort of in tune with what you're saying there, yeah. Gareth. Um, no, definitely. Okay, um, we're now 18 unbeaten. Uh, the league picture is it now looks like, given Arsenal's results against Bournemouth and in general Arsenal's form, it's three from four surely for the Champions League places beneath City. The trophies picture, as was discussed on the post-match show last night, you've got to look at that and feel as though Liverpool can beat anyone in Europe, certainly at home, uh, but also possibly at their gaff as well. Certainly if they want to play some football, we can do that. We're going to go on and talk about transfers in a minute or two, what Liverpool should or shouldn't do in the context of how the season's panning out. Uh, we've got Mel in, not just for that, but for all the other stuff that she brings as well, but she does end up with too much onus on her, and you've all got to be much nicer to her on social media uh, if you are listening, uh, for she is fantastic. But... We want to first and foremost discuss the fact that we have partnered for the first time uh, on the Anfield Wrap on this show and this partnership will be going on, on across 12 months with a company. The company is Reds Bet and we've partnered with them because we've got faith and trust um, in, them, in them as people, in their ideas and their ideals. Um, Mike, you've joined um, to bring Reds Bet to fruition 
to get it into a situation where there's active accounts, people who enjoy their gambling and join it through Reds Bet. It's not about finding new gamblers, it's about those other people. And also then find the people who are currently gambling anyway. And also about reinvesting that money, reinvesting that money that gets lost into fans-related causes that, that serve the Liverpool supporting areas, regions, wherever they are in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've hit, hit, hit all the nails on the head there. I've um, written them down. Yeah, and uh, first time I've done this, you know what I mean. He's, he's written it down. He's been absolutely clear. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm really proud to have been recruited to head up Reds Bet, and Reds Bet is a part of Fans Bet, and um, the Reds Bet thing is for Liverpool fans, so it's a Liverpool centric betting site. You can you can bet on anything you want. I mean, horse racing, cricket, darts, just like any other um, firm, but. We, we have a different ideal and that's to invest 50% of our net profits back into fan causes or causes that are important to football supporters. Um, just as an, in, as, as an indicator really of the type of philosophy, um, although outside of the, the main model, um, fans bet donated £12,000 to Shrewsbury Town FC um, so that they could complete their rail seating um, enclosure. Um, so that that's sort of trying to get across some of the but ideals behind things. Red's bet though, it's about also working with supporters clubs around the world as well, yeah. and from a Liverpool point of view as well. Complete, so it's, it's causes both in and around the city, but also with supporters clubs wherever they yeah, are in the world. It is, and, and, and what we want to do is we we want to engage with all Liverpool supporters groups, um, near and far. Um, you know, we, we, we hope to do lots of stuff locally. Um, and there will be a board of trustees that will decide on which are the best causes, which are the causes that that they've identified, our partners, people that engage with us, which are the causes that they've that they've identified with, with most closely. Um, there's there's lots of things that we can do with that. Um, and the whole point of it really is to is to I suppose change the gaming industry a little bit as well, and 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 be different from other from other firms and other providers. Um, but we just we want to look after football supporters, and you know if you if you're having a bet, it, it, it's absolutely about you know we're, we're speaking to people who who already enjoy a bet. It's not about creating new gamblers, not 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 one jot. It's about saying you know if you have, if you have a bet on football or horse racing or golf or whatever, just do it with us because you know that half of the profits that we make if you lose on a bet, if you win, great, you win, that's fantastic, you know. Um, but if you do lose, you know that a significant portion of that. Uh, investment is going to go back into a good cause. Um, can people support you? Sorry, can people contact you, Mike? You mentioned supporters groups there. Is there a way for people for them to get in touch with you if they're listening to this to think, you know what, this is something we might want to be, be part of? Yeah, um, so I, I, <laughs> I have to work out what my email address is on, on the new job, which I don't, I don't, I haven't got fully set up yet. But it probably, We can do this on Friday. It'll, yeah, we'll do this on Friday when I'm, ne- <laughs> when I'm next on. When you've had the induction, how, got your in, feet under the table, shown you around where how, the coffee is. How, uh, how, how, prepared am, how, how prepared am I... Um, I'll probably be, I'll probably be Mike at fans at, uh, at redsbeth.com. That'll probably be my uh, email address. Um, and if if people want to sign up um, as from today, basically, um, that would be fantastic. Uh, the website is www.redsbeth.com, um, and you'll go on there. What I, what I would like to say though is that the uh, the site it's it's up and running. It's pu- it's completely functional. It looks like any other um, betting site really, where you've got all your different sporting options. There's lots of Liverpool specials that I I write. Um, you can have a real laugh with them. Um, Mike loves a pun. Yeah, I do. I do love. I do love a pun. One bet that would have would have not come in yesterday was uh, Liverpool to win the game to nil, and that was Manchester blank blank blank. Um, so lots of lots of, lots of amusing little puns in Honestly, there. Honestly, Rob was made up. He's going to be um, asking you for a job here from his time when he was at the sport. He's going to be absolutely all over you. Yeah. So it's it, you know it's it's good fun, but the, the site is is still in development, and we want to make it better. We want to make it nicer for Liverpool fans to enjoy with some of the imagery and stuff like that. 
Um, so it's a little bit of and, a work and a fantasy program. league option as well. And there's going to be a fantasy league option that people will be able to engage with as well. Um, there's a lots of lots of really good, interesting stuff for people who just who like having a bet. Excellent stuff. Um, two things. One, we're going to Scandinavia um, with Redsbet. Uh, so there's, those tickets are available now, uh, but they're free. You've just got to have a Redsbet account. You don't even have to have used it in any way, shape or form, uh, but that is available. Uh, but the other thing we want to mention as well is this is the first time we've done something like this and we're not really... Uh, go on, Mike. Yeah, I just want one thing I forgot to say was that um, if and when you do sign up to Redsbet, and obviously we'd be very, very grateful if you do, um, I think if you put £10 into your account, you automatically get £30 in free bets as well. So... Um, it's a bit of a no-brainer for you, really, if you if you like a little punt. Okay, yeah, definitely so. And from the Anfield app side, as I say, we've not done this before, um, and we've had opportunities too in different ways at different times, but we've not done this on the main show before. And we want to thank everyone who listens, both the subscribers, the people who pay uh, on a monthly basis uh, for supporting us over a long period of time, but also the people who've just been listening in general for as long as they have. It really is appreciated. <coughs> Excuse me. It really is appreciated. Um, and you know, we appreciate the feedback. We appreciate that people take the time, and we appreciate that you you care about what we do, and we've chosen to do this in the context of knowing that people care about what we do uh, and that we feel as though we genuinely believe that this is this is an organisation that we, we we have trust in in their ideas and their ideals and we're really pleased to have them on board uh, okay then next thing I will keep, I will keep you informed you. as well uh, we'll keep you informed as well as things that are happening next thing then to round the show off transfers um, Gareth Kite are not coming um, and Liverpool weirdly contacting Leicester to uh, to say we won't be bidding for Mares. I mean, you know, if we whacked one into uh, to to yeah, across the country. Are we letting Arsenal know we're not going to bother bidding for Hector <laughs> Bellerin? Uh, is this our new strategy and plan? The way I quite like Hector Bellerin. Is this our new strategy and plan? Uh, should we just? Uh, it must be a big day in the office for the lads. Yeah, that's a bit of a weird one. That Mares one. That that yeah. That that seems to be from a, from a while ago. The Kaiser one's a shame, I think, because. There was a lot of excitement that there was something happening, um, certainly on the good old Twitter. Uh, again, loads of rumours flying around as well. Uh, but yeah, Ranjik's come out, hasn't he, and said the uh, the, the exorbitant fee that uh, would have persuaded them to allow Keita to go in January hasn't been forthcoming, and therefore it's not happening. Um, it still feels to me that we need to get, you know, it, it would be good for morale, be good for everything, be good for the squad, to get someone in, certainly someone who's a, who's a starter in the in the first eleven or thereabouts, because that's what we've lost in Phil Casino. And and look, we're all buzzing because we beat City, uh, rightly so. But there will be games, as we as we touched on before, where teams come shut up shop, and you need a bit of magic. And and you can't always rely on the same players to provide that magic. The more players you've got in your squad that have got magic in their boots. You know, yeah. that, you know, and the more likely you are to win them. Alongside all of that, you know, there's, there's going to be form, fitness, suspension yeah, issues yeah, exactly, um, yeah. that is going to put pressure on any squad. And that front three is devastating. Um, and so is the midfield. But you just feel that, you know, you'd want to line up with those six that were out on the field yesterday. But you can't be guaranteeing that, you know, that maybe two of them aren't out at any one time or one. And, and that suddenly is where you think, well, where's Coutinho? Um, and it's not like we haven't got the money. Let's face it, you know, there's 145 million mil sloshing around in the bank um, from the sale of Coutinho. So reinvest it, reinvest it now. The season's, as you said before, Neil, the season's massively up for grabs. We've got a chance of winning the European Cup. We've got a chance of winning the FA Cup. Obviously, finish there's, the, there's finished second in the league, make a, a massive statement ahead of next season. And the best way to do that is to bolster your squad with quality. And as I say, the money's there in the bank if we want to spend it. 
Kaita, not coming well. And it was interesting when you were writing about it last week, you were, <clears throat> and Rob was, was was teasing you about it off air on the gutter, but you were making a really clear point that it's not not at all clear what Leipzig are going to do. You were very, very, you know, you were stood firm on that one. I think other, other, other people were, were pushing a lot more that it was as though it was absolutely nailed on. It was inevitably going to happen. Do you think they are going to do anything? And would you, do you think they should? Yeah, on Cater, um, you know, the last thing I was told was it was in the balance because Leipzig had been shuffling their position quite a lot on the matter. They were open to it. They weren't open to it. They were going to allow it. They weren't going to allow it. The player desperately wanted to come in January. Um, you know, they he had a meeting with Leipzig to say that. Uh, the issue on the exorbitant fee is an interesting one because Leipzig continuously contradict themselves, which is why I think they're so hard to negotiate with because... And for you to cover. Yeah, it's it, it swings a lot. And, you know, speaking to people who who have to do the negotiations and who are privy to, to what happens, it's quite difficult because they don't steadfastly stick to, to any position. They they do give mixed messages sometimes. And um, they say... The exorbitant fee wasn't forthcoming, which is why we're not letting him go early. And then they also say we're not a selling club, which is why we're not letting him go early. Um, they've said, but a day prior to saying this, they said there's been no contact whatsoever with Liverpool. Then they've said even though Liverpool have been trying and we've been in conversation with them, so it's 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 a very hard thing to cover. It's obviously a shame because I think it's um, rare that. You can be interested in a player mid-season who you know doesn't really require a full pre-season to get to grips with what you need from him because he's tailor-made for club football. He plays in a high-pressing system. Um, he's got all the qualities you you basically want in this in this club midfield. So when you're looking at bringing players in in January, you know he is tick 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 absolutely. So it's a bit of a shame there. Um, I would like them to bring somebody else in because, you know, like we've discussed and we're all, like Robbo said, very enthusiastic and happy about the win yesterday and it's all like no Coutinho, no problem and all and all these sort of things. But that's a player who scored or co- contributed 20 goals in 20 games who, when things are tight and you need... You know the different. You need something special to happen. I mean, he was always a lock picker, wasn't he? And, yeah, and, yeah. Or a, a can opener, if you want. If, but you know, open a tin of beans with with with, with, his, with his right foot, all that sort of thing. And you, you still get a sense that that you don't lose a player of that quality and and not replace them. Um, there's bound to be a drop off. It has to be because he's. You know, he was. I think. I mean, I think he was. Our, he's our best player. Was our best player. And you sell your best player. The only justification you can then have for that decision is that that money gets reinvested. And I think people want to see that and they want to see it now. 100% the money will be reinvested in the squad. Whether that happens now, I'm not so sure because the players that they have looked at are all... all have other things going on for them as well. In a sense that if you look at Goreska, for example, you know, Bayern are, are still seen as as his priority I mean, destination. Yeah. Um, he can choose, you know, United have been in for him, so there's there's lots of things there that stick out. Uh, like I said earlier on in the show, I know they've been looking at um, top-class defenders, but again, I think that's one for the summer. It's a longer-term thing. Um, 
Thomas Lamar, they were never, ever going to pay £92 million in the summer. Um, Even when Arsenal went and and bid that amount, they were never going to get... They had a price. They were trying to negotiate on the price. The player only wanted to go to Anfield. um, And they weren't going to to swerve on that. Um, It looks like Arsenal are are no longer in for him. Um, And so I think then again is the case of... Is he a player that you bring in, you pay a premium to bring in now and he doesn't really need a preseason, he's going to come in and get to grips? Or is he going to spend the next few months getting to grips with things? I mean, you know, when we signed Oxley chamberlain it took him quite a while to get up to speed. So I think there's all these things that, that you factor in. Uh, the the Mara stuff that you were speaking about, perhaps they contacted Leicester because, I mean, it was reported with such force that it was done, it, not even that it was happening, that it was done, that a medical had happened, that personal terms had been agreed. That And this came as a sh- shock to Liverpool, but, I mean, it was reported in France, it was reported in the Middle East, it was... And it, do you want to be getting to them for tapping off again, do you? Yeah, it, it, I think because of the, the nature of the coverage that was so forceful, that's why they put in the call. I don't think they do that with every player I mean, they link. I, I, I wish they had gone in for him because I think he's a cracking player. And you know, yeah. it's sort of, if Liverpool aren't after him, I'd like I sort of like to know why. Well, there's um, some, I, I'm intrigued in general as to why Mares is still at Leicester, and I think there's a wider conversation about that. But Dan, my my worry on all of this is I'm not even that bothered by Lamar because he looks to me like he's certainly at this stage just created a bit more of a midfielder than a forward. Um, my thing is I think that Liverpool can keep moving forward, but that regardless, but that from three. When it was picking three from four, you felt as though there was there was just there was just more options there. You were probably still mildly worried about what would happen if Roberto Firmino pulled his hamstring and was out for six weeks. But you know, you, you felt as though the rest of it could be worked around. For me, the issue is just is just numbers and quality in that front three. You know, we're coming up to a run of games soon potentially, which is you know Southampton away, Porto Porto away. We'd hope the no gap between Southampton and Porto. We'd hope the fifth round of the FA Cup, West Ham at home, then maybe a fifth round FA Cup replay, Newcastle at home, and then Porto at home, and that'd be in three and a half weeks. And we've seen earlier in the season. He's kept. He's done a great job keeping them fresh by chopping and changing and shifting. He really has now, and you can take your cap off to him right now because you got you got to see the benefits of it. We can now say, mm. you know what, he's done his rotation. He's done his job mm. well. My worry is he's not leaving himself with anything to rotate with in that from three. Yeah, my worry is the drop off because ideally, you know, even if you want to take one of the front three out for a for a Southampton or a Swansea, for example, there's still a question mark around Solanke, Ings, definitely Sturridge if he's still here just in terms of how they can embed themselves in the cohesion in that front three when when we, we step out onto the pitch. And that's what worries me. I, I'd, be, I'd be less worried with a you know a three from four situation, like you mentioned, with a player, not even of Coutinho's quality, because you know that's, it's now impossible to replace him in terms of what he brings, but just someone who can step into that front three even when it's not injury dependent, even when you know it's it's a case of rotation that we need to just freshen it up a little bit. So, I think there's a bit of a, a bit much too much of a drop in terms of quality. And I'm not I'm not digging out Solanke or Danny Ings, but you know one of them's not had any football for near enough two years, and one of them's a young lad still trying to find his way and hasn't scored a, a professional goal yet. So, so it, it comes down to what we've seen a lot from Klopp is is faith in these players and his boys, and it's how you balance that and. Whilst it's all well and good saying, 
you know, he believes in the lads he's got and that will that will give them confidence. I think it'll also give them confidence to see a really good player come mm. into this squad and help them mm. for the next the, the next few months. I think the the other thing, you know, when, when Neil says to recruit for for the front uh, three is you've got lads looking at him thinking I don't want to deputise. I want to start. How am I starting ahead yeah, of those exactly, front three? Yeah. That that yeah. happens. You know, it happened with Julian Brandt. He looked at it and thought, "I'm not getting a <coughs> game." Did, but they will all get games because that you know that's it. Safe as a fixture. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he can Neil point just, to the rotation he's already done. Mike. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so so you, basically, you, you choose three from four. Um, that was what we were doing previously. That was what was working. That was <coughs> that's at, at the root of this 18 match unbeaten run, pretty much. Um, so to, you, you have to give yourself that option again. I mean, I'm all about winning trophies. I want to see Liverpool. I want to see Liverpool win the FA Cup. I want to see Liverpool win the European Cup. Mm. You absolutely give your best yourself the, the best chance to do that. Well, that and is, you're not giving yourself the best chance to do that if you don't make a signing now. This is my thing, Gareth. Last season it was a gamble. Uh, January so we have a similar conversation, and the gamble yeah. paid off, but it paid off by a point. It paid off by a points and we, we came fourth day. last day you feel as though this season and you could understand that you can understand the idea last season it was just get top four this season we're off the back of being the side that have beaten Manchester City we look the second best team in the country you want to see them show that you want to see them be the second best team in the country and go really deep into those cup competitions and see if they can win a trophy and that's for me the gamble it's not just can we do enough to ensure that we finish in a top four finish you're gambling much more now you're gambling a real opportunity with this season and I think that that gamble's double-edged you know if you, if you, if you do just get another, another really quality body in someone you're able to say you know what he's pretty good even if he doesn't hit the ground running he's still a threat on the pitch the opposition have still got to worry about him and someone else still gets a rest yeah, I really would like to see someone else add it yeah same and it's it's about status it's a, it's about standards and, and look you know yeah we all get the idea that Klopp can develop talent and all this sort of stuff and that part of his management is having faith in players and all that sort of stuff but at the same time you know there are better attacking players out there that you think Liverpool will be able to lose to Liverpool who were more reliable, more proven than Solanke. Ings's injury record's questionable. They've actually you know, made it public that they'd let Sturridge go as well uh, for £30 million. So, you know, again, there's the possibility that he goes and there's even one less to choose from, one more or less. So, yeah, they need, to, they need to do something for me. And and we, what are we waiting for next season for? We can do something in this season. We can win the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. We can go We can go far in the Champions League. We can finish second, like we keep saying. So invest for now. We don't. Everything doesn't have to be another 12 months, two years down the line. Liverpool fans have waited too long now for, for, for trophies. We, you know, it, it, it's a bit... It, it's still the old mantra, isn't it, that we exist to win trophies. We also need to exist to get in the Champions League every year, as you say. But we need to do both. You know, and for the manager... There's no point doing one without the other. Yeah, and for, you know, for the manager, for the faith in the manager, for the general bigger picture about what Liverpool are about, get a trophy in the cabinet, get in the top four again for a consecutive season, I think for the first time since oh nine. Um, like, like, like in 2005 and 2006 yeah. when we won trophies and got in the top four and you're going to you're going to give yourself a better strength, chance yeah, sure. think, and yeah. and with more players yesterday you know um, reinforces the fact that we, we are operating from a yeah. position of strength because we've got some really bloody good footballers um, uh, before someone pulls me by the way because someone's pulled me because I mentioned that on the video this morning uh, it's not 
it's not for me. No, his best goal scoring uh, thing of his career. He got twenty two in one season, a half and half. It's, it's gonna be. Uh, so it's, so go, we'll, it's gonna be. Yeah, we'll just put we'll just, we'll just put that one away. It's gonna be. Unless he does his hamstring. Uh, listen, thank Shh. you. Shut up. Listen, thank you very much indeed to Mike Nevin, to Dan Morgan, to Gareth Roberts, to Melissa Reddy. Uh, thank you very much indeed as well. This is the Anfield Wrap in association with Redsbet.com for the first time. And one other thing, this is the Anfield Wrap. And as far as Liverpool are concerned, listen, you just beat Manchester City four three. You should have beaten them four one. Lads, the future is now. Sports Social Podcast Network.